May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I also want to welcome you to part two of our message series, Backfired. I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video today. You know, um, a year ago, I was able to go to Israel for the very first time. It, it, was, it was an amazing, amazing trip. Uh, I remember one point, <clears throat> we were standing at an, on an observation deck just south of the Temple Mount, and we were looking out over the city of Jerusalem. And over the centuries, uh, they've just built houses just one right after another. I mean, it is just, they're just packed in there. Um, you know, they don't have any, you know, when you, old cities like Jerusalem, they don't have, you know, any master planned communities, okay? Like, that's not how it's done. Now, the good news is there's no HOA and there's no strip centers, so, you know, it's not all bad. But I'm telling you, those houses are just packed in there. But then, you know, as we were looking, there was this, like, one strip of land that, like, had nothing on it, which is weird because literally every single square inch of land has something on it. In fact, it was so weird, I took a picture with my phone. So let's put it up here on the screen. Yeah, this is it. Um, let's outline that part in yellow so that, like, everybody see. That's the strip I was talking about. And I thought it was so weird because there's just simply nothing on it. And it's not because, you know, of the contour of the land, because they would build houses, like, just up and down hills. So I knew that that wasn't it. So I asked our guide, I was like, hey, what's the deal with this part of the land? And he looked at me and he said, well, Mike, that's the valley of ben Hinnom. And I was thinking, what? <laughs> but, you know, I'm a pastor, so, like, I wanted to play it cool. I was like, oh, right, absolutely. <clears throat> and so I think he saw I had no idea what I was talking about. So anyway, so he goes on to say, he said, nothing has ever been built there, and nothing will ever be built there, because that is the valley where the evil kings of the Old Testament conducted human sacrifices. And then he went on to say, this is also the place where in Jesus' day, the people of Jerusalem would take their trash and would throw bodies of dead animals, and there was always a fire burning there that would never go out. When the Greeks came, the Greek word for valley is ga, and so they renamed it Gehenom, which became Gehenna, which we call Gehenna, which the Bible uses as a metaphor for hell because the fire never goes out. And then the guide said to me, he said, Mike, you remember when <clears throat> Judas took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them back into the temple after he betrayed Jesus because he had so much regret, he said, well, the priest couldn't put that money back into the temple treasury because it was blood money. So they took that 30 pieces of silver and all they could buy with it was a little worthless piece of land at the end of this valley, this, this little piece right here. <clears throat> That's what they bought with the 30 pieces of silver and they used it to bury foreigners who died in Jerusalem. And so literally, 
all they bought with the 30 pieces of silver was a little piece of hell on earth. That's what happened. I was stunned. I mean, I was, bl- I was blown away. I've heard like little pieces and parts of that, you know, like all of that story all my life, but I've never really been able to put it together into one picture like I was able to do in that moment. And I've thought about it, and I realized that every one of the devil's plans always ends up in ruin. Just like this land has been in ruin for a long, long time, the devil's plans, when they end in ruin, those, the effects last a long, long, long time. And I thought about in my life, I thought, left unchecked, the devil's plans for my life could end in ruin, and the effects of that ruin could last a long, long, long time. Which goes back to the central theme of this series, which we introduced last week. So go ahead and pull out your message notes, if you haven't done so already, because here's your first fill in the morning. Because here it is. God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. Okay, I'm going to give you a chance to write that down. Okay, God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. In fact, let's repeat all of that out loud together. Okay, ready, go. God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. Which is exactly what Jesus says. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says this. It says, the thief, now that's a reference to the devil, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, left unchecked, the devil's schemes against us will only end in ruin. And the effects of that can last a long, long, long time. You know, the devil's schemes to ruin our marriages. And the effects of that can last a long, long, long time. The devil schemes to get us into so much debt that we have to declare bankruptcy. And the effects of that can last a long, long, long time. The devil schemes to, to ruin relationships within our families and with friends. He schemes to make something happen at church that we don't like and we get all emotional about it and he just feeds that for us and it gets us so upset and angry that we just walk away from the church, but not just for a little while, but sometimes we walk away from a, for a long time. A long, long time. And sometimes the devil schemes against us to make us believe that he's not even real. And if he gets us to believe that, then he has an easy time from that point forward. You know, and Christianity is very much a thinking man's faith. And the devil schemes to use science to attempt to prove the non-existence of God. Which in reality, the opposite is true. Science actually proves the existence of God because 
Everything in our world is so complex on both the micro and the macro level that it all points to a great designer behind it all because it's just simply too complex to have just happened by sheer chance. But I'm telling you, the devil's schemes end in ruin and those effects last for a long, long, long time. But the incredible news is that God can take any scheme of the devil and cause it to backfire. We saw that last week with Easter when we talked about the resurrection. And we'll see it again this week when it comes to the 30 pieces of silver that, were, that the devil used to only buy a little worthless piece of property at the end of the Valley of Gehenna. So, let's look at the devil's plan, how it backfired, and then what that means for us, okay? So when it comes to the 30 pieces of silver, what was the devil's plan? Here it is. The plan was to take the money intended for good and use it for evil. To take the money intended for good and use it for evil. Look what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 14. Then one of the 12 disciples, the one named Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What will you give me if I betray Jesus to you? They counted out 30 silver coins and gave them to him. From then on, Judas was looking for a good chance to hand Jesus over to them. Okay, let me ask you this. Where do you think the chief priests got the money to pay Judas? From the temple treasury. From the money that people gave. Now, and even if you think that, well, they probably paid Judas out of their own personal pockets, well, that's fine. How do you think the priests got paid? Out of the temple treasury. So either way you look at it, the money that was given to Judas came from people who gave money to God through their gifts at the temple. Now, what were the gifts at the temple intended to actually purchase? Look at your bulletin. People gave money to the temple primarily to do four things. First, it was to buy a sacrificial lamb. To buy a sacrificial lamb that would be sacrificed for sins. Then it was to help the poor, because that's part of what the temple did. It was also to feed the hungry. That was part of the ministry of the temple. And then to give aid to the sick. So it was to buy a sacrificial lamb, help the poor, feed the hungry, and give aid to the sick. Now, the devil took what was intended for good... And he used it for evil, to betray the Son of God. And I am sure that the devil just laughed and laughed himself at how clever he was, that he not only orchestrated the betrayal and execution of the Son of God, but used God's money to pay for it. But then, the plan backfired. Look at how that happened. Here's how it backfired. God purchased exponentially more of what was originally intended. He purchased exponentially more of what was originally intended. Look what's happened as a result of the betrayal of Jesus. Jesus, the Lamb of God, was sacrificed for the sins of the world. More Christian organizations feed and clothe the poor than all other organizations combined. Those who are spiritually hungry find meaning and purpose in life. 
More hospitals around the world are sponsored by Christian organizations than any other single entity. Look, think about it like this. If I told you that I could take this bag of 30 silver coins, and I told you that with these coins, I could literally purchase the sins of the entire world, forgiveness for the sins of the entire world, and I could feed and clothe millions of poor and hungry people every year, that I could put a, build more than a million churches, and I could build a hospital in every city on the globe. If I told you I could do all that with 30 silver coins, you'd think I was nuts. But I'm telling you, that's exactly what God did. That's exactly what he did. Because the devil intended to use these 30 silver coins for evil. But God was able to use them to exponentially purchase more than was ever intended. Which is amazing. It's unbelievable. I dare say that those 30 silver coins have purchased more than any other 30 silver coins in the history of the world. It's true. Which means that in the hands of an omnipotent, omniscient God, that anything is possible. He can do anything. Every marriage can be repaired. Every rebellious Son or daughter can change. Every financial situation could turn around. Any diagnosis can be cured. Any career can be rebooted. Every lonely heart can be filled. I'm telling you, with God, anything is possible. Everything is possible. There is nothing that he cannot do. That is, if we will follow his plans. Because remember, God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which one is to be is up to me. So, what does God want me to do to make sure that I follow his plan in my life? Three things. Here's the first. Number one, I need to view Jesus as my only source of forgiveness. View Jesus as my only source of forgiveness. Look what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. And not our sins only, but also the sins of everyone. You see, Jesus isn't just one means by which sins are forgiven. He is the means by which sins are forgiven. And just to clarify that he is the only source of forgiveness, Jesus says it himself very clearly in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. That means no one gets to heaven except through me. So no one. I mean, I repeat no one gets to heaven without going through Christ. Now, the problem is, is that so many people think that they're going to get to heaven by being good people. Look, being good never got anyone to heaven. Never has. But honestly, it feels like that's the way it should be. And I think that's probably the greatest deception of the devil. 
that good people go to heaven. No. Forgiven people go to heaven. Being good has nothing to do with it. Nothing. And so you have to put your trust in Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. And then it's out of your sense of gratitude for that forgiveness that you do good deeds and you put him in charge of your life. So our good deeds are a response to his forgiveness. They're not to earn his forgiveness. I've also heard like really good people Good church people say, well, you know, the reason I'm going to go to heaven is because, yes, I've trusted Jesus to forgive my sins, but, and I'm a good person. No! Look, being good has nothing to do with it. Nothing! Because if you were to say that part of the equation is my good works, then what you're essentially saying is that the cro- what Jesus did on the cross was not really quite enough to get you to heaven, that you have to add something to it in order to get you to cross that line and gain interest in heaven and actually be forgiven. No! What Jesus did on the cross was more than enough to purchase your forgiveness and my forgiveness. To say that we have to add our good works to the equation is essentially to cheapen and to lessen what Jesus did on the cross. It is not what Jesus did plus what I do. It is only what he did. That is the only thing that gets us to heaven. And anything I do after I accept his forgiveness is just my expression of gratitude for all that I've been forgiven for. He is the only source of forgiveness. Look at this verse in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Jesus is the only one who can save people. His name is the only power in the world that has been given to save people. We must be saved through him. So let me ask you, are you putting your whole faith in the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Or is there still a part of you that thinks that you're going to go to heaven because of your good works? That you're somehow earning at least part of your way there? I'm telling you, trust Jesus as your only source of forgiveness. It's your only source. And if you've never done that before, there's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower at the very bottom of your message notes. It's on the back. I want you to look at that prayer. If you've never prayed that prayer before or something similar to it, I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer today when we get to the end of our, our message. You know, maybe you've been thinking about it since Easter, since last weekend. I'm going to give you a chance to pray that prayer if you've never done it before and to trust Jesus as your only source of forgiveness. But before we do that, we need to look at a second way that we need to stay on God's path, and that's this. Number two, rely on God to take what's intended for evil and use it for good. I need to rely on God to take what is, in, uh, to take what is intended for evil and use it for good. You know, honestly, even in preparing this message for today, I was blown away by how much good God was able to bring forth with just 30 silver coins. What was intended for evil, God has turned into so much good. And honestly, it is only God that could have the amount of foresight 
to see all that could come of it. That's what makes him God, because he can do anything. And even the Bible says that God takes evil and turns it to good. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Look, God doesn't cause bad things to happen in life, but he can take those things and bring good from it. For instance, there's a woman in our church, her name is Jackie Hooks, and she's given me permission this morning to tell her story. When she and her six, and she was six years old, she and her sister were abducted by a man and taken into the woods behind their apartment complex. And he did to them everything that you would think a man would do to them in the woods behind their apartment complex. Now fortunately, she and her sister were able to escape. But I'm telling you, what the devil brought from that wrecked her life for years. And now, she's a woman who's married with four children, and because she has chosen to follow God's plan for her life, she has just now gotten to the point where she has been able to truly forgive that man for what he did. And she writes all this uh, in her blog, which you can find easily just by, you know, Googling her name. You'll find her blog, Jackie Hooks. And um, the post where she tells the story about what happened, so powerful that it has already received more than 180,000 hits. And she's turning that story into a book. And it's all because she's chosen to follow God's path for her life. Because when we choose to follow God's path for our life, God can take our messy and broken lives, and that's when he does some of his very best work. And what the devil intended to permanently wreck a little girl's life, God is now turning into a source of help for people who have been through similar circumstances. God is turning it into a source of freedom, a story of freedom for people that have been held captive by their past for so long. God is turning it into a story of forgiveness to inspire other people to forgive someone that they might not ever want to forgive. I'm telling you, God can take anything that the devil intends for evil and he can turn it into something that he can use for his good because he is God and that's what he does because remember God has a path for me and the devil has a path for me which one is to be is up to me okay number three here it is Third one is this. Be on the lookout for Satan's schemes. Be on the lookout 
for Satan's schemes. I want you to look at these verses that describe what happened when Judas saw a lady use some very expensive perfume to wash Jesus' feet. In John chapter 12, verse 4, the Bible says this, says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. You see, the devil knew that the love of money is where Jesus was, it was where Judas was susceptible. So the money is what the devil used to tempt Judas. So let me ask you, what is the devil using to scheme against your life right now? What's he using? Where are you susceptible? Is it through money? Is it to entice your temper? Could it be through lust? A desire for position? A need to feel loved and wanted? An appeal to your own pride or arrogance? Could it be that he's using a certain group of friends to draw you away from God? Could it be part of the devil's scheme to get you to believe that he's not even real? You know, bottom line, what might the devil use to scheme against you? Let me ask you this way. If you were going to scheme against you to draw you away from God, how would you do it? If you were going to scheme against you, how would you do it? Where in your life do you already see the devil's schemes starting to take shape? I'm telling you, if Judas had been looking for it, he would have seen it. But over the course of several years, the devil had drew him so far away, it eventually cost him everything. So be on the lookout for the devil's schemes, because remember, God has a plan for me, and the devil has a plan for me. Which is to be is up to me. So choose to follow God's path at all costs. Because listen, when the devil schemes against your life, when he schemes against your marriage, against your kids, against your career, against your spiritual walk with God, if you will be fiercely committed to following God's path and God's plan for your life, no matter what, then God can cause the devil's schemes to backfire. And he can use anything that the devil would intend for evil and God could turn it around for good. Because he's God. And that is what he does. And God did it amazingly through 30 silver coins. And next week, we're going to talk about how God caused the devil's plans to backfire by using a sign and a crown of thorns. So I want you to find your connection card, and let's take some next steps together. Maybe it's this first one. I 
wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe that Jesus is the only source of forgiveness for my sins. Would you check that box as basically a theological reframing or a statement of, I believe that he is the only source. And if for you, this is the first time you've ever believed that, well, then maybe you need to check the second box. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. If you're ready to become a Christ follower today for the first time ever, then I'll, in just a second, when I give you a chance to pray, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer that's at the, right underneath these next steps. Maybe if you want to take this third next step. I commit to rely on God to take what was intended for evil and use it for good. Would you ask God to do that for you in your life? Next. I will take some time this week to look for where the devil might be scheming against me. I'm telling you, if you would do that, you, it, it honestly might save your life or save some things in your life that are so dear and important to you. Would you take just a little time and ask God to show you what those schemes might be? Next. I know how the devil's scheming against me. I mean, maybe you're like, oh, Pastor Mike, I don't have to pray about it. Like, I totally know. There's no mystery here. I know how the devil's schemed against me, and I'm going to take some specific steps to stop it. Would you do that? Or the last one. I will memorize one of the verses in today's message. Look, there's four or five different verses of this message that would be great to memorize. So whichever one speaks to you the most, would you make a commitment to memorize it this week? I'm going to give everybody a chance to pray in these next moments to ask God to change your life through the next steps you've taken. And if you're ready to pray the prayer to become a Christ follower, this is your chance to do it. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and I want you to take these next moments and pray and ask God to change you. Father, I want to say thank you so much for your goodness to us and how you use these 30 pieces of silver to bring about so much good. And I pray for those in this room that have been struggling with things that have been happening in their lives, Lord, that you would help them to rely on you and that you would show yourself faithful and strong. You would help all of us choose to walk, to walk the plan that you have laid out for us. For those that are strong Christ followers, help us to do that. For those that are new Christ followers, help us to do that as well. And I want to say thank you that you alone have the power, the authority, and the foresight to see how you could bring so much good out of something that is so evil. You did it for the coins, you did it for Jackie Hooks, and you could do it for so many people in this room, and I ask that you would. And ask you to do all of these things in the great name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.